You're listening to the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. Follow the show on social media and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice. Now, here's Jason and Paul. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The State of Love and Trust. It's a Pearl Jam podcast, and I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi. And alongside me, as always, is... Paul Gillieri. Uh, Paul, it's uh, once again very, very, very warm where we are. Yeah, it is, uh, I'd like to say, unseasonably hot, but it is July. So I guess it's just as hot as to be expected. I don't know. It's hot, man. It's State damn hot. It's hot. Well, we're both staying cool in our respective uh, audio rooms, as it were. I've got a uh, Anderson Valley Cherry Ghost. You've got a... I am drinking a Negro Modelo. Fantastic. Yeah. We are, um, we've got the, uh, the, the Baja California uh, entire coastline sorted here. From one yeah. tip to the other, almost. <laughs> there you go. Love <laughs> you love to see it. You love to see it. Well, how are you guys doing out there? Is it super hot where you are? It's, I feel like it's been hot the entire month of July, uh, unless you're in the Southern Hemisphere, in which case it's uh, winter. And you were like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I understand. Our friends in New Zealand and Australia and, and uh, uh, Uruguay and uh, Brazil and uh, wherever else it is that you're listening from below the equator. However, um, it is hot here and uh, we're trying to keep cool. And we've got a really cool episode for you. That was terrible. I apologize. And it's all about <laughs> the jester of Segway. Oh, that was terrible. I'm, I I really apologize. And I even gave you like the radio guy voice. Oh, and I, I, I feel the douche chills on me as I'm talking. <laughs> the douche chills. Oh, God. It's, yeah. Anyway, before I dive uh, even deeper into the hole that I'm digging for myself, uh, please go ahead and rate, review, and subscribe. You got to feed that algorithm, Paul. You do. You have to feed the algorithm on your preferred podcast platform of choice. Feed it. It helps keep us cool. It, 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 I'd like to say it helps keep us cool, but it doesn't. It is not. It, it, it actually uh, provides a virtual body heat by all the people that are bringing that you're bringing into the tent. Yeah. Well, hold on a sec. Cause yeah. when they feed the algorithm, mm-hmm. It gives me an opportunity to buy more batteries, and I use those batteries <laughs> for fans, and fans can keep me cool. So by process of seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. So facto. Ipso facto. I don't know how we put Kevin Bacon into this. I'll tell you what. I was considering going on Amazon and buying one of those little clip-on fans, you know, for that little shelf yeah. above me to keep me cool. I don't know if it would if you'd hear it on the mic, though. That's my concern. Mm. My concern is you guys and your audio pleasures. You are always so considerate of the needs of others, Jason. When it suits me. Yeah. And you know what our good listeners need? Pearl Jam. That's what they need. All right. Well, besides um, feeding the algorithm, which we really do appreciate, if you're a patron, cool. You're you're an awesome person. We really do appreciate you uh, helping us keep this thing going. Uh, if you're interested in, in joining Patreon and all the extra stuff that comes out of that, including the 20-minute um photo by photo description by lance mercer um the links are pretty much everywhere in all of our bios so go check that out if you're interested if not no big deal you're here right now that's what matters and that's it so let's get to our episode here and these are about opening lyrics opening like the first couple of lines and what do we mean by this what what, where are we getting at well there are many that are great the episode here though wants to focus on which opening sets of lyrics sets the table the best for what's to come? Really, almost like tell if you got the Cliff Notes version, right, of a song, mm-hmm. and and or so, so you had eighteen seconds once the vocals started to trap a listener into listening to this song the remainder of the time. What is it? What are those lyrics that really are like the pinnacle of the song, or, or however you want to describe it? So. That's what we've set out to do. I, I'll tell you what, right now, Paul, the list, the, the quote unquote short list is very long of songs that had great introductions of uh, introduction of lyrics. I don't know how you felt about this. Let me count these up here. Two, <laughs> four, six, eight, 10, 12. I have 14 on my short list. 14 songs that I think in the first 
two to four lines basically give you the, in, the, the, the very essence, at least lyrically speaking, of what the song is about. 29. 29. I oh, just counted I was, 29. I, I was a little bit more judicious than that, but I like well, it. Well, I mean, I, I I got it down to five. That's the whole point of the game, right? <laughs> I did get it. I did, you know, there was there was two that just just missed out. You know, maybe I'll mention them later. I won't make the mistake I did last week. Um, but yeah, these these were difficult. And as I was going through these, I I you know, I thought to myself, these lyrics need to they need to lead each song in a way that either pulls me in immediately or completely summarizes what the tone and theme of the song are, but they doing it in a way that lays a groundwork for the rest of the song, right? They, they, they don't take the rest of the song. Um, they don't make the rest of the song inconsequential or unnecessary. They kind of, they set the table for it in the best yes. way possible. So let's just get right into it. Out of all these 14 songs that you pulled from, you really enjoyed those first couple of lines. What was the fifth most, I guess, significant opening set of lyrics for you i'm gonna go with the very first set of lyrics uh that we hear on a pearl jam song that's once oh wow well uh i mean what what's to say <laughs> I mean, you know, no pun intended. I mean, the, the, those two lines at the beginning there, for me, I think, encapsulate the detachment, the um, the loss of soul, the loss of self, and in a lot of ways, the impending violence that comes with this narrative. Uh, I relive it without pain. You know, the the lack of remorse mm. and. Um, you know, the, the Mama Son trilogy, when we think about this, it's a very sad trilogy, but specifically when you think about a song like this, it's a charged, intense composition. And I think when you consider how to open a song that is essentially told from the, the point of view of a serial killer, mm-hmm. <laughs> or at least someone who's driven to to murder, um, you know, we... We struggle with the idea of like, trying to reconcile humanity in that moment. And I think what, what Eddie does here is kind of strip that away. And that I think is, is what we see there. You know, the, the acknowledgement, I admit it, you know, I'm not hiding from it. Yes, I did this. What, what do you want me to say? What's to say, you know, almost like it's inconsequential. It's, it's, it's not notable. It's like a he's footnote. resigned to it. Like he's just that. That's he yeah. Just accept this. This is there is a resignation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know. Um, and I think that uh, part of that part of the problem with that is that um, when you when you when you do resign yourself to that, you're essentially saying that there's this existential crisis that comes to light. Where we're essentially saying none of this and none of you and, and none of of any of us mean anything. So for me, it's that, it's that detachment. It's the, the, um, uncanny and very disturbing ability to acknowledge and admit doing something terrible and to feel not only no remorse, but this utter detachment, like, like what's to say almost as if it's just a footnote in the universe of, of completely inconsequential action. Um, and look, I mean, you know, we, we can get existential and talk about how much our lives, thoughts, and actions truly mean in the grand scheme and scope of, of, of a much larger universe. But nonetheless, like, I mean, I, th- I think that every life has meaning and value, you know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. for, for the speaker to, to relive this experience and feel no remorse, no pain, I think it's indicative of not only that detachment, but just the, the, the haunting loss of humanity. So in a lot of ways, I think these two lines, and, and it's an impressive ability to, to essentially capture the essence of a, of a composition in the first two lines. It's not like this song is rife with lyrics. I mean, there's not that many lyrics to it, but uh, there's a lot of repetition too. But nonetheless, I think these two lines do not only a serviceable job, but I, I would say an exemplary job of showing us exactly what the song is truly about. 
You know, I tell you what, it was not one of my 29, but now it, it's it definitely in that group because that's I did not think of it that way and you nailed it. So I love the, ch- the choice of once at number five. Uh, for me, uh, my fifth choice is going to be Future Days. Ooh, lovely. If I ever were to lose you, I'd surely lose myself. Everything I have found dear. Not found by myself. I love this. This is the, the baseline of a relationship, in my opinion. I, I, I associate this song with a romantic one. Mm-hmm. Uh, for I've, t- I've said before, you know, first dance song, my wedding with my wife. Um, but it could apply to anything or anyone. And honestly, it could be about a dog. It doesn't matter. But we've, we've established the ground floor of what true love entails. And I think that's the key. You know, every line after this is it simply builds on this theory and makes these opening lines matter even more. I think especially for me, strong opening lyrics are so key in a softer song like this. You know, when I, when I, when I like a rock band, I'm generally drawn to them because they rock the fuck out. They're kicking ass, you know, Mm -hmm. Hence why 10 grabbed me so much because there's so much ass kicking on that record. So when everything is stripped down, the words matter so much more. It's, and I think that's for a reason. Those, those words are more naked. If that makes sense. Um, So if you're going to draw me in with a softer song, especially when I was younger, then they've got them. And obviously this song came out in 2013. I was not young, but you know, there's young in me still. When it comes to liking music. And so if it's going to be a softer song, I have to be drawn in lyrically pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And this one set the table in such a lovely way for me. Good call. It's a perfect segue to my song. Um, because this song, I think, is the polar opposite of that. Oh. And it's Hail, Hail. What works well with Hail Hail is it's about um, a, a, a desire to feel in a relationship mm. because uh, that love, that romantic connection you talked about, like what happens when, when a relationship is suddenly devoid of those things. Um, and there are lots of other songs in the catalog, Parting Ways and other ones that kind of tackle this issue. But I feel that the the first two lines of Hail Hail do a really good job of that. Um when you think about these two lines, like, is there room for both of us apart that a concept of like, <laughs> is there room for both of us in this relationship? That's crazy. Apart? Yeah. Like, so like how much distance can we fit between us in this box that we've created for ourselves? Are we bound out of obligation? Is that all we've got? I mean, that those two, like that couplet right there, that's the song. Um, that, that sense of like, God, is this literally all we have is just this, this, obligation this sense of obligation to each other and nothing more and look i mean if you ever find yourself in a situation like that um you really have to it, it's it, it's a fork in the road and you're either going to veer one way and uh, fall further away and apart from each other in, in which case i mean essentially the writing's on the wall and you really start have to thinking about what what does life look like apart um, but not just emotionally, but logistically, mm. uh, or you veer the other way and you say, Hey, how do I recommit myself to this? Like there was something that drew us together and yeah, there's ebbs and flows in a relationship as they're sort of life. And, um, we can, we can kind of let those things define the journey or we can say, Hey, no, hold on a second. Like that, this is a natural part of the course of things, the course of nature with this. And, I think it's important to recommit and refocus and, and try to to grow together as opposed to growing apart. And I think it's the growth piece that we miss sometimes. I think that when we grow, we oftentimes say, well, we grew apart. Well, did you though? Like, did you grow apart or did you just each grow and you didn't make the conscious effort to grow together? Like you didn't communicate, you didn't talk about needs, you didn't talk about um, you know, challenges and, and, and ways you'd like to grow and, and, and what, what growing together even looks like, or did you just grow independently? And then therefore that creates a divide. So um, all of a sudden you wake up one day and one person yeah. is eight feet taller than the person. Like, uh, yeah. When the hell I mean, did that happen? Exactly. You know, yeah. or you wake up one day and it's like, 
I'm not in love with this person anymore. And we're, you know, 20 years in or 25 years in and like, what did I do with my life? And now you're dealing with this existential crisis and, you know, or, or some type of midlife crisis. And it's like, hold on a second, you know? So, um, hail, hail, I think just does a great job just in two lines of that. It's such a great shout. The, uh, both of us apart, is there room for both of us apart bound out of obligation? Is that all we've got? <laughs> who who listening right now has been in a relationship possibly married with kids and has felt this way raise your hand while you're listening no <laughs> one can see you no one has any idea what you're listening to i i see you i hear you i'm high-fiving we're hugging it's all good this song crushes that's a great yeah. shout um all right my fourth choice a song rarely seen on one of these listicles that we do, it's God's dice. Ah, oh, I like that. That almost made my short list. Good call. It's out of my hands, As I've said before on this show, me and religion and, and theism in general, they have a hard time getting along, right? <laughs> What I love about these lyrics is it establishes some humility and hope while acknowledging the thesis herein. There are a lot of gods to believe in and we'll never know what, if any, are truly the one, right? Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a throw of the dice. It's impossible to know with certainty. And while someone like Jeff, who wrote these lyrics, may have a strong opinion, that fact that he leads this song off with, I'm just, I'm trying to find some way of connecting all of us. I wish we could all just appreciate and treat everyone with, a, with respect and, and just get along and, and just coexist, but it's not possible for, for me. And it's, I can't do it by, my, by myself as much as I try. I can't do it, but I want to try like all of that, obviously way more eloquent in those two lines. And I love that, especially for someone who might be very theistic and may not jive with Jeff's position on the issue or the bands for that matter. It's like an olive branch of sorts. It, it, I think it helps. And the music is pretty infectious and quick. You can't help, but kind of go along. And maybe by the end, you've come to understand Jeff's thesis a bit more. thus bringing all those hands closer to meeting after all. That's just another great example of uh, the frustration, you know, like that, that permeates mm. some of these songs and those opening lines do a great job of that. So, Good call. All right. We got number three. Mm. So for me at number three, I think the easy choice here for me is present tense. Oh, do you see the way that tree bends? Does it inspire? Leaning out to catch the sun's rays. A to be now, the reason I went with present tense is because it's a great lesson in writing. I say that because there's a difference between showing and telling. Mm. And there's another set of lyrics later in this composition that I think really tell us what this song is about. Um, you can come to terms, or I don't know, rephrase that. Uh, you can spend your time alone redigesting past regrets. Or you can come to terms and realize you're the only one who can forgive yourself. It makes much more sense to live in the present tense. Yeah. Right. But that's telling us what this song is about. Painting a picture of a tree bending and asking the question, positing the question, does it inspire? Leaning out to catch the sun's rays, a lesson to be applied. What is that lesson? The lesson is being able to find the beauty in simplicity, the extraordinary in the ordinary. And what I love about this song is it shows us that through the form of an image. And it allows us to ponder that image in a way that to me communicates everything that the song is trying to tell us. So I think Eddie does a great job of setting it up that way and allowing us to reach those conclusions. Now, obviously, you know, it, it becomes more expositional later and, and he really kind of like redefines and, and just kind of spells it out for us. And that's okay. But I think 
having the song begin this way in such poetic fashion is perfect. So uh, for me, present tense fits this bill perfectly as a song in which uh, the opening lines essentially comprise the very meaning and essence of the track altogether. I love the uh, show versus tale aspect of that description. That was that mm-hmm. was that was really good. Uh, okay, so my third choice is you'll be you might be surprised by this River Cross. I thought about that one. It's a good call. If this doesn't establish what we're up against, I don't know what does. I I, I know at the outset what the problem is ed has it's large it's it's all encompassing to borrow that phrase you just said it's macro but feels personal at the same time so now i'm invested and that's the key can opening lines like these get you invested to listen longer i'm not super high on this song as i've said before uh, but mostly because of the music i think as poetry though there's a lot to love here and uh these opening lines are some of the best on the record, I think, <laughs> especially at, at opening your eyes to the problem at hand. Now, I want to know, can we solve it? It's it's sad, it's depressing, but I want to know if I should have hope because even the most depressing PJ songs can make me feel like the band is sympathizing with me. And I think that these outset lyrics or I should say lyrics out the outset, set the table as depressing as it is that, hey, either we're going to sympathize together and, and wallow in a really shitty situation, or there could be some hopeful rhetoric on the back end. And I think we get a, a little bit of both, but this sets the table up for that really, really nicely. Again, painting the picture, showing. Great. Great. I love the the pairing with those two. Excellent. Mm. Very, uh, very nice breakdown on that one. We got number two there. Number two, we'll go with Break or Fall. Oh, cool. Yeah, you know, these, these are these, these, these are some of my favorite lyrics in a Pearl Jam song. I love it when Eddie kind of tells us a story. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we saw a lot more of that in early Pearl Jam writing. And this exercise really illuminated that for me. Uh, when I started looking at lyrics in later albums, especially Gigaton and Lightning Bolt and uh, Backspacer, you didn't see as much of that anymore. Contrast that with 10, where I feel like once, even flow, alive, why go? I mean, like, so many of these Black. songs, like you can just read <laughs> Deep. just the first two lines yeah. and it's like, wow, that's the song. You know what I mean? Now, for the purposes of this exercise, I didn't want my top five to be the first five songs off 10, even though I very easily could have gone in that direction. <laughs> but uh, I think a song like Break or Fall really does a fine job of showing, not telling. Uh, all right. But but it does so in a way that I think paints a picture of desperation and um, a picture of, of urgency. Uh, you know, there's a girl on a ledge who's got nowhere to turn because all the love that she had was just wood that she burned. Now, the song is really about how love is the only thing that can break her fall, right? Mm-hmm. But when you think about that second line there, the love that she did have was wood that she burned. So the implication there is that is what's missing in her life. And that the love that she had, she essentially burned, you know? Um, it's more, so about, it's more love, about self-love, really. Correct. Yeah. So I love the subtext here. Yeah. Um, and the, the the certain, or not so certain, not so uncertain, I should say, um, layers and nuance that are there, despite the fact that these lyrics on the surface feel very transparent. I, I like the fact that there actually are layers beneath that. And, and I think that that speaks to uh, just how, how strong they are. So, yeah, I, I like that. I've always loved the song. I've always loved those lines just from a, um, I guess, poetic standpoint. I think there's some really cool word choices to be used. And the idea of um, 
yeah, that that metaphor of of love being wood that she burned, I I just absolutely love it. Especially with, with the way that the music kind of just kicks down the door with those words. So that's a great shout. Um, I tried not to be too excited before when you mentioned present tense because I'm going there next at number two with present tense. Do you see the way that tree bends? Does it inspire? Leaning out to catch the sun's rays. A Listen, you you said it very well, so I'll try and find another way to say it. Um, I don't know what it is about nature-based lyrics that kind of draws me in, but when Ed sings about trees or the ocean, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I'm kind of drawn in. You know, I, I, I can picture it. Maybe that's what it is. I can, I can see it. And we'll talk a bit about another set of lyrics later on that include uh, imagery of leaves grabbing light. Um but it, it, it's just a great metaphor. But see, I'm already in. I'm already in. I, I can picture how a tree needs to adapt and actively work to to better itself to live. You know, you said finding the finding the beauty in the little things. Well, the little thing here it might seem little. When I when I think about the little things here, it's also it's trying to live. It has to find the light. It has to bend to find the light. It has to adapt. And so I think there's again another sub layer to what what you already mentioned. And at this point, you know, whatever Ed sings after this, I've already bought in. I get it and I want more. Yes, sensei. You know, sorry, my, <laughs> my, my, my kid's doing karate and that's kind of been in my brain. So the first line, my answer to, to both questions, do you see the way the tree bends and does it inspire? Both to those things, I say, yes. Yes, I do. And then that line, a lesson to be applied. I feel like there will be more lessons ahead and my brain has been cracked open to learn what they are i am intrigued to know more i'm intrigued to learn mold me song i am clay mold me and it, it helps <laughs> that the music has just primed me to take these lyrics in the way that mike just completely with that just clean that little like um phasery or vibrato he's got on the guitar it's just it's perfect so i think everything you said i love it i'm going to add this little sub layer um, of adaptation and, and 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 just trying to find any way to stay the course and to stay alive and to stay present, as it were, I think it's just so key and it's just it does just a great job of it. Good call, LA. We are of like mind there. Well, we might be unlike minded again because I have a feeling you and I are going to be the same on number one. I think. Well, I'm going rival. Oh my We did not agree. This is fantastic. Yeah, and and, and I again, like the, I'm looking at my short list, those 14, and a vast majority of them could have very easily occupied this spot at the top. But when I think of these lines, all my rivals will see what I have in store. My gun, I've been harboring fleets in this reservoir, red sun. If that does not paint in the ominous picture to come <laughs> yeah. and tell you everything you need to know about the scene, the situation. The impending doom and tragedy and despair and violence and the the utter, um, I guess you know, tragedy associated with all of this, both on a singular level for the speaker, because of, of for, for yeah. a human for any person, especially a young person, to find themselves so distraught and misguided and misaligned with 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 human connection that they or he or she finds him or herself. Uh, you know, gravitating towards this level of, of misplaced uh, angst. Um, it's tragic, you know? Yeah. And then on the flip side of that is the impact, the, the, the ripple effect that it has on so many other people for generations to come, you know? So it's, to me, I just think that these two lines are loaded, loaded. And, and they, they manage to, on so many levels, um, somehow communicate the the true scope and magnitude 
of all of this. And and that line there, it's just it 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 it's hard to to hear a line like that and and the the delivery as well on the record. I didn't think I'd end up with two binaural songs here. Yeah, but, that's a good shout. Uh, yeah, you know th- this harboring fleets in great this line. reservoir. Stone. Th- this reservoir. Congratulations! Yeah, I know. I, 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 and I said it before when we, we, we talked about this in our, our lyric of the week, probably a year or two ago. I think it's some of his best writing, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it is an impressive opening to a song. Have you heard the song and, live? Uh, I have. Yeah, you I have. have. Uh, it has not been played often. No, um, it's not, and I have not heard it, and I'm dying to hear it. So very impressive, impressive opening. And I think, again, it just speaks volumes about what this song is, is trying to tell us and, and what the song wants us to feel. And I think that's important because it does so simultaneously. And I think that that's a big part of why this one really hits differently for me. You, you nailed that. Um, I remember going through all these lyrics, um, on whatever website, I forget what it was, but, um, I'm going through the lyrics and I see rival and I read it and I'm like, Ooh, man, that's heavy. And for some reason I didn't stop long enough to really think about it because when you describe how impressive it is from a 360 point of view, it's you've nailed it. it. That's exactly what it is. And it sets the table perfectly. I said at the outset, like the best opening lyrics draw you in. Don't say everything but give you the snapshot enough to want you to dive deeper into the song. And this does exactly that. And and with some of the best um, visualization writing, I think we call those metaphors in English class um, (laughs) that we've heard in a long time. And it's not even Ed writing it, it's Stone writing it, which I don't know why I sound so surprised, but I think it's great. I I think it's super cool that it's, it comes from stone. Yeah. I mean, uh... well, listen, it, 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 it wasn't in my five. Um, and I will say that there was a song that had a similar idea that doesn't pull off as well that I thought the song was glorified G. I think that oh. opening, I mean, what are those opening lines? Those opening lines are got a gun. In fact, I got to that's okay, man. Cause I love God. Very simple, very, very simple. But it's like, yeah, that's the that, that's the song, man. That's the song, and it's such a very. I love how pointed and simple it is for that fact of 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 gun ownership being such a complicated issue. But then I was like, no, I mean, there's it, it was there, but I was like, oh, there's there's more, there's more. And as I got through the ones I've already mentioned, I was like, it's not better than that. It's not better than that. It's not better than that. Um, and then I got to my number one, and I'm surprised you didn't choose this. And you're probably gonna, well, we'll see. My choice is nothing, man. Divided, nothing left to subtract. It's on, it is on my short list. Okay, it was, uh, I, I had it right there. Okay, yeah. I mean, this this one, man, this song lyrically, it could end right there. I, th- this this says it all. Fewer lyrics in the entire catalog, let alone opening lines, are more profound, more simple, yet complete. It says something similar to those opening lines of future days but even more raw more naked it's the very core of love you know this the story that ed sings throughout the song is great in its own right but the star of this christmas tree is right there at the top you know with with, (laughs) with, well said with lines like this I, i could listen to nothing man on repeat just to hear those opening remarks i mean i think i feel like we've talked about these lines, once divided, nothing left to subtract. Some words when spoken can't be taken back. I feel like we've spoken about these lines a number of times in this show in a variety of different formats and reasonings and exercises because they're so strong. And which is why I was so um, kind of excited and surprised at myself when I chose a song like God's Dice, which which rarely features on these kinds of things. But this one, it kind of, when I was going through the albums, like, oh, this is just beating me in the face constantly. I I have to put it in. And then as I was kind of trying to narrow things down, I'm like, how do I not? How do I not? How do I not? And I figured it would be the same as yours, but you've astounded me with a very brilliant choice and rival. So with that said, how many, we have what, one song the same? Present tense? Is that it? Oh, yeah, this worked out perfectly. Wow. Holy shit. So we got- And, and I love the choices we landed on yeah. at the end. What else for you was like right there, but didn't make it? Oh, you know, part of me doesn't even want to share. And I'll tell you why. Because oh, a second, a second part? I, uh, well, no, no, it's, it's not a second part. I, I said I had a short list of like 14, mm-hmm. you know, you had 29. 
And it'd be really easy for me to rattle off all of these songs and, and, you know, maybe even a few notes about why, but I'm far more interested in a larger conversation with our listeners and seeing Mm. what some folks out there think should, should be on a list or would be on their list. And I feel like if I monopolize that and, you know, well, let me talk about my other, you know, nine or 10 or 11 or whatever, um, I'm kind of taking that away. You know, I'm, I'm robbing them of the ability to, to participate in that conversation only because I have so many, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I, I will say nothing, man. Uh, that one's easy for me to mention because, because it was on your, your top five, uh, because that one to me was, it was in the running for, for number one at one point. And then I'm like, well, let me put a pin in that one. And then I, I ended up just kind of gravitating towards those other ones, mostly because I feel like I I've talked about this song so many times. <laughs> um, and I was just intrigued by the way that the other ones kind of struck me and, and the, the kinds of things that allowed me to explore, you know, yeah, um, totally. and the territory I could mine with, with this, with the discussion with them. So I went in that different direction, but uh, no doubt, I think nothing man is a, is an outstanding choice, exemplary choice. And, and I, I completely agree with you on why it should be there. Um, but feel free if you if you'd like to kind of dive in and well, on a number of other ones. I just I I think I think you're you make a good point. I did mention Glorified G. The other one I'll mention is mm-hmm. um, WMA. He won the oh. lottery when he was born. Took his mother's white breast to his tongue. That, that wasn't how much. I don't think I gave that one enough thought. Good call. I think it just sets the table of of that kind of you know white male privilege thing that you know obviously has been a thing. For uh, a number now, and uh, I, th- I think just well, when the, when the title of the song is "White Male American," what's more white male American than he won the lottery about when he was born? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, come on, that went alone. No. Yeah, so, I, I, there are two songs that I chose not to go with, um, almost because it almost felt like cheating, which is weird because maybe I was overthinking this. And I will name those two songs. Those two songs were um, "The Fixer" and "Wishlist." Oh yeah, I almost feel like the, those songs are so, they're des- the lyrically they were designed to be so on the nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, that I felt like it there just wasn't enough and uh, enough to think about at least for the purposes of this discussion. Sure. Uh, lyrically, there's there's still a lot there, but I mean, in, in terms of hey, let's talk about songs where the first two lines or so basically encapsulate what the song's about. I mean, obviously, the, you could go the first line in both of those songs. Yeah. You know, I mean, because they they're they're, they're kind of like meant to be that way. So, I don't know. Do, do you think I'm overthinking? Uh, no, I don't, because I, I actually had them in that gigantic shortlist that I had. Um, but I but I excluded them probably because what you said. So yeah. there you go. Uh, again, there's many many more that I'm looking at right now that I will not say because I'm curious. I don't want to tip. And, and, and push you guys in a certain direction if you've got uh, designs on your own five. Uh, so once again, real quick, Paul, what, what were your five? Oh, boy. So I had on my five once, I had Hail, Hail, Present Tense, Breaker Fall, and Rival. So two no-code songs and two binaural songs. Yeah, cool interestingly enough. Huh. Yeah. Well, I did mention that I, I could have had the whole front yeah. side of 10, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've got um, Future Days, God's Dice, River Cross, Present Tense, and Nothing Man. So I kind of started at the newer stuff and ended up back in the 90s. Yeah. What do you guys think, man? What's what's What are the opening lyrics to songs that kind of tell the whole story or set the table in the best possible way for you? Curious to see what you guys think about that one. As you ruminate on that, as I always say, we're going to move on. To our lyric of the week. This week's lyric of the week it comes from a, a record we haven't gone to in a while now. It's Riot Act, and that song is "Green Disease." Okie Paul, first verse out of the gate from Green Disease. What do you got? Well, first of all, this song uh, I think could have very easily been on the short list for both of us. Yeah. For the exercise we we just we just completed. 100%. 100%. <laughs> uh, and, and this is one where I think, uh, you know, 
it's it's very telling in a very uh i guess indirect way this idea that money currency you know it, it's ultimately a disease and that it emanates from your being it, it you you be, you you're almost like sweating it out you know what i mean it, you cannot uh it, it overtakes it governs it 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 defines us yeah when you allow this to happen and and that in essence is essentially what what a disease is right it's it's this foreign body that comes in and just completely governs your uh, your biological ecosystem and then suddenly you're you had just succumb and I love the way that it's described as a disease, and I, I like the imagery. Um, now, the rest of the, the, the cool part about this is we're not limiting ourselves to just the first line or two, um, although I do think this is a great example, again, of a song where those first two lines basically yeah. tell the story. But it, it is fun, nonetheless, to kind of look at the rest of it, this idea that we're satiated with occupation um, and the weeds with, with big leaves stealing light from what's beneath. Um, it's it's so funny to to think about this natural imagery oh, because yes. when I think about money, I I, I think about you know uh, commercialism. I think about product. I think about you know materialism, uh, man made things. But I love the idea that he he's able to create this natural image and produce the same sad effect from it. Uh, and I think it's important that uh, you know he chooses leaves. You know, we, we, there's the the, um, the idiom, you know, money growing on trees. You know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah, didn't think um, about that. <laughs> so I, yeah, it's a, it's 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 a very clever verse to open up the song. Um, where they have more, still they take more. I mean, it's in a lot of ways it it's a poem in a verse, and yeah. it, it it has standalone value, and I, I appreciate that. I do love a good standalone value uh, verse like this. And it, you're right. It is very po- poetic. And I think now that I'm reading it again, as I'm talking to you, it it strikes me, this song strikes me as something that I want to go back and listen to a couple more times because now I'm gaining more. It it, it felt a little bit more, um, maybe it was a little too on, maybe the, the, the theme is too on the nose or maybe I'm, you know, it's a, while it's a very true statement, it, it may be hard to hear that over and over again because it's so depressing. <laughs> Whatever we want to spin that, um, I think I kind of dismissed it as like, oh, it's a it's a nice little fun punky number, and yeah, I agree with the with the thesis, and okay. But if I'm in the mood to really crunch on some delicious poetry with some good uh, metaphor and um, wordplay, then yes. I should I should absolutely go back in for this. And when you consider that it was written over 20 years ago, it was valid 20 years before that and still valid 20 years later. Oh, yo, 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 yo. Talking about adding some depth to this bad boy. I mean, the effects of Reaganomics continue to separate us financially. The 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 American dream exponentially harder to attain than in previous generations. I don't think that can be argued it just it quite literally is uh, if you look at the numbers and how many people are lower than the food chain and, and what what the separation gap is to those at the very top cannot cannot be argued it's just numbers it's facts how we got there that's the argument anyways in my opinion you go back to a movie like wall street gordon gecko you know he admired greed g-r-e-e-d you know it was his motto greed is good so here's what i want to say Success, not bad. Capitalism, not bad. It's the desire to accumulate at the expense of others that's the problem. And that's what greed is. That is the disease. And it's why they say that money is the root of all evil. This is just Eddie's way of saying it. You know, his metaphor of a weed growing taller than a valuable plant is so apt too. you know, where they have more, they take more. There is no, that's enough. There's never a satiation. Why? Certainly, we can live in a system where there's at some point enough for those at the top. They will not feel the prices set by the free market. They will not feel the taxes they pay. But for everyone else, life can be on a sliding scale of struggle. And it doesn't have to be. Many other countries have proven that to be possible. And I'm not saying that I want to be a socialist. And I'm not saying I want to be a communist. I mean, isn't there a song that kind of talks about that? I think Stephen Van Zandt wrote it. I am a patriot. There's a way to like have this system work 
and have, you know, for lack of a better phrase, winners and losers. There's always going to be that, that wide range, but it's, it's this, it's this, it's this greed. It's this disease. And that that's the problem. And Eddie, you know, like I said, he, at the time, I think he was in the middle of a 40 year window and obviously it'll grow and grow and grow. Cause I don't see it stopping where it's just like, what the hell? This is, this is a big issue that affects everything, class, race. It, it, it defines so many different things. Uh, it's got its fingerprints in all parts uh, of our lives. And it's a real pain in the ass uh, to, to, to put it very stupidly. But um, mm. yeah, it's, it's, it's a great opening verse. And like to your point, I think it very much could be its, its own uh, part of the, uh, part of the original exercise. So. Very interesting. I challenge you guys to go back and, and, and read along to this one and really soak it in because um, it's 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 more interesting than maybe you give it credit for. And with that, while you guys think about that and replay it, you you pause this, you've gone back and replayed it, you've come back to us. Let's go check out the best live version of this bad boy in our live cut of the week. Ready? Okay, so live card of the week, green disease. Going back to that Riot Act tour, where are we going? Going to Chicago, Jason, June 18th, So for a song this fast and frantic, it's a very tight performance. Mm-hmm. And I think one reason why I like this one, it sounds quite raw. Like the, the guitars don't sound overly distorted. They sound like there's a decent crunch, but it also sounds like everything is well-defined. And I don't know why I like that for this song, but I do. Um, it's almost like the notes are jumping out of the amplifiers. And I like that. I think that works well with that 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 staccato um, kick drum thing that uh, that Matt's doing. So I mean, it's a simple song. It's like two and a half minutes. I don't know what what, what did you why did you choose this one? Uh, the, the clarity of the guitar sound I thought was big on this one. Um, 
I thought the the sense of urgency and the pacing in Eddie's vocal delivery is key with this one. Mm. You know, uh, the one, two, you know, the, there's there's a layering and mm. a leveling. Leveling is probably a better word to use here. A leveling of intensity with this song. And I think that sometimes they play it too fast for me. Oh, this yeah. is a song that to me is just, it's too easy to play it too fast. <laughs> to, to You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? And, but I think if you slow it down too much, uh, it really loses its its essence. So it's one of those rare songs where um, the timing is is everything with it. You know what I mean? And uh, Matt's drumming, I think, is important there, and he he's the master of timing. So yeah. now you're you're <laughs> right about well, you're right so. about fast songs. Like they they need they are more easily um, you can you can more easily fall off the tracks with a fast song and a slower song or mid-tempo song. So I think you're right. I think this one um, held its own in that capacity and um, it got to the finish line all in one piece. So that was great. It sure did. Yeah. Well, there you go, guys. I'm curious uh, what y'all think about Green Disease. I know you probably haven't thought about this song in a long time, have you? Well, re-listen to it. Give it a taste, you know? Um, are these first lyrics of the song, are they part of your five uh, most significant opening lines of a song uh this was an interesting exercise because you don't normally think of lyrics in this particular way necessarily and i think uh it sheds some light on the fact that there are some interesting songs that aren't from you know the quote-unquote big albums or not aren't necessarily we didn't say really any singles mm -hmm. I'm, I'm looking back at my things here are there any like big hits that we chose don't think so none of these were big hits maybe once yeah Present tense, maybe. I mean, that that's the us. That's the right. that's the us nerds. Like for to the for the the radio fan, there's no alive. There's no even flows. No no better band. Like, I think that's saying something. Sure is. I don't know what it's saying, but it's saying something. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I think it says that uh, if you're looking to get somebody into Pearl Jam, you don't have to make them sit there and listen to music for too long, right? You, yeah. Uh, take take a handful of uh, underrated gems and say, just listen to the first two lines, man. <laughs> it's just <laughs> underrated gems and rhinestones. <laughs> there it oh is. Oh my god. There it is. There he is. All right, gang. Well, it's uh, heating up here in the old booth, and um, I want you guys to uh, not have a uh, nine-hour podcast. So we're gonna wrap it up uh, again. Any of you who have joined patreon we really do appreciate that um thank you thank you thank you thank you and if you haven't already you really should beat that algorithm oh yeah rate review subscribe it helps bring more people into the pearl jam nerd tent we thank <laughs> you in advance and uh that's it so we'll we'll see you next week uh with a guest who will that guest be oh, strokes his invisible beard well I don't know. Maybe we'll have to go ask the devil. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. The red, the red mosquito or, or, or the one in Satan's bed? I don't know. Oh, God. We're getting terrible with I these may, now. I <laughs> may have lost the plot here. I don't know. Well, come back and find him next week. And until you do, you've been listening to... The State of Love and Trust. 